Radio Drone. It's another episode of Radio Drone, Box Office Bombs Part 2. And before I introduce who is on this week, you guys need to go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME to get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, free U.S. shipping, and a free mystery gift. And now we've, of course, got the Marquis de Suede, Alex Jowski. Hello! And we've got, so we can put all those internet rumors to rest, most of which I started, Brad Jones and Diamanda Hagen in the same virtual room together so you guys can quit pretending that you're the same person. I am so turned on right now. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> There's still room. Those rumors are still going to exist because there'll never be a point where we're ta- where our voices are overlapping each other. That's true. That's why we have to appear in the same room at some point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brad, you're, you're you are great at ventriloquism. I got to tell you that. Thank you. I'm See, short I, enough. People think I am a ventriloquist dummy. Well, who would be your master? Who would be? Who would have their hand up your ass? Brian or Dave? Uh, Lloyd. Lloyd. That's right. Sorry, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Because Lloyd's just an awesome cat. Does he <laughs> have hands? Lloyd? Oh, he's got his hand gloves. He's fine. So <laughs> i got to have someone play Goldeneye with me. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the box office bombs from 1964 through 1997, and we ended off on Suede Alex's favorite movie of all time, Cats Don't Dance. Uh, well, I still haven't seen that movie and ha- do not intend to. Why are you saying it's my favorite movie? Because it was supposed to be funny if you didn't answer, but never mind, you blew the joke. You can blow my joke, okay? <laughs> I, I used to blow bubbles, but then he got too clingy. Get some money in alleys for blowing jokes. <laughs> Insert Brad meme here. <laughs> Let's start 1998 off with Paul W.S. Anderson's Soldier, a movie I actually like. I know Brad does not. We'll get into that in a sec. But it only made $15 million of its $75 million budget back. I thought Soldier was pretty decent. I liked that it's an official Blade Runner side quill, and I didn't think it was a bad flick. Sucked. It's just, it's it's a really, really, really corny version of Shane that actually manages to be cornier than Shane. Which is kind of an accomplishment, really. Yeah. It made back about one-fifth of its budget, which, that's pretty apt, I have to say. I thought the first, like, seven or eight minutes was quite good and then it went entirely terrible it was actually the origin of my theory that paul ws anderson made his first movie shopping which was terrible and then he sold his soul to make to to make good films for the rest of his career but the devil said sorry you're paul ws anderson and you're not worth that much so they gave him like two and a bit movies so you got mortal kombat event horizon which were decent and then you got the first 10 minutes of soldier which were decent and then nothing but shit since fair enough i'll agree with you on paul ws anderson you know Event Horizon's good, some of Soldier is good, but ever since then... And I can't really vouch for Mortal Kombat, because I wasn't a fan of the game, so therefore I I just can't get into the movie. It's better than it has any right to be, in all honesty. Yeah. For, for a PG-13 Mortal Kombat, yeah, kinda. <laughs> it actually was relatively faithful to the game at that point, before they started retconning everything... At that point when it came out, it was relatively faithful to the actual story of the game, which I appreciated. And they, uh, you know, some of the better chosen bits that differed for the game were brought into the game later on, such as us Kano being Australian and stuff. Yeah, but he was just awesome as an Aussie. Oh, yeah. The Trevor Goddard, he was brilliant. He wasn't actually Australian. He was English. He put on the accent because there wasn't any Australian, like, you know, heavy actors in Hollywood. I saw him in a, in a uh, vacuum cleaner infomercial. 
All right, next we move on to 1998's Beloved, costing $80 million, only making back 22. Never seen this movie, so... I didn't see it. I know what it is. It's, that's the Oprah movie, right? I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember when that came out, and no, I didn't see it. I'm only barely aware of what Oprah is. <laughs> Every time I see her, I just imagine it's a very terrible opera, and I'm sort of gone dyslexic. My only knowledge of Beloved is... When this guy installed cable for me, right when that started airing on HBO, the cable guy's like, look, you got HBO and they're showing Beloved right now. That movie's awesome. That says something right there. Yeah. All right, then we move on to to Hard Rain. $70 million, only made back just under 20. This movie was ill-conceived from the get-go. I see where the money went, making everything rain for most of the movie. This was a stupid, stupid movie that deserved to lose its money. This was a movie I, I saw. I remember seeing trailers for this like a year before it came out when it was just called The Flood. And several months went by, and I remember being saying to my dad, like, whatever happened to that movie, The Flood? And then we see a trailer for Hard Rain. I'm like, oh, I guess it's Hard Rain now? All right. And we went to go see it. You know what? I thought it was kind of fun. I like uh, the concept of heist movie crossed with disaster film and at that time the late 90s there being a lot of disaster movies and this one's got a heist in it i only saw it the one time when it was in the theaters but i left the theater thinking it was fun hard rain isn't that hailstones like ice falling from the sky the movie well, doesn't make sense already it's raining hard you know it's a hard rain and was, you know it's got christian slater and morgan freeman come on and randy quaid is the bad guy which it, I've just never bought. No, unless unless it was uh, you know the most terrible hailstorm disaster movie ever. I'm not buying it. I remember seeing trailers for this movie for like a year. Like there there must have been something going on with this movie that delayed it. All right, then we move on to 1998's Holy Man. That Eddie Murphy train wreck. Sixty million dollars only made back twelve. I didn't this- even see the whole movie. I saw part of it on cable and was like. Yeah, I'm, I'm not fin- I'm not doing this. Is this the first of the Eddie Murphy train wrecks we've come upon on the list? This is the first one of those that's been on the list. Not the first one that's been a disaster, just the first one that's been a financial disaster. Mm, yeah, Holy Man. No, no, didn't see Holy Man. Is that the whole the Eddie Murphy movie from the 90s that's really terrible? Yeah. <laughs> you need to be a little more specific. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. So, um, I, oh, oh, wait, Holy Man? Holy f***. I saw it on cable. It's not good, but it's better than some of the other Eddie Murphy films to come. Is it better than <laughs> The Love Guru? An no. Eddie Murphy, an Eddie Murphy classic. Wait, what? Actually, this is like on level with the that Love Guru movie. Oh, dude, it's the, it was the same director as the guy who did Critters, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. That guy's career went downhill after that. I think it went downhill with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, but that's just... My wife loves that movie. I can't stand it. Those were his first three movies. It's like, what the hell happened? All right, then next we move on to... We're still in 1998. Brad, we didn't have this many in one year last week, did we? (laughs) No, I don't This is starting to get a little irritating. Look at at 1999. It's an even bigger list. Yeah. Well, we come to Sphere, a movie I didn't really like, but I think Sphere missed the boat. It didn't focus on what I wanted it to. I was far more interested. Remember how like how Diamanda said she liked the first 10 minutes of Soldier? Yeah. I loved the beginning of Sphere. I want to know where this spacecraft from 
200 years in the future, has been sitting at the bottom of the ocean for 400 years from the United States, came from where they found the sphere in space. Yeah, and from the future, how did it travel back in time? I don't care that, hey, look, our thoughts are coming to life. I want to see that story. I want the prequel to Sphere, damn it. I, I'm going to have to take your word for it. I honestly did not see Sphere. The, but I've, but I've, seen, I've seen Cube. Does that count? No. Yeah, that came out the same year. That was the year of the shapes. <laughs> exactly, see? It's all geometric, I, man. I had to the pick prequel, a shape. I, I went with Cube. The, the prequel to Sphere would be called Circle. was okay-ish. Nowhere near as good as Cube or Cube 2 Hypercube, but better than Cube Zero. Do you agree with me that the first 10 minutes introduce a far more interesting story, though, than the one we actually get? Pretty much, yeah. We're still talking Sphere, right? Yeah. Or, or got... Well, if you want to go off on Cube like the Amanda did, you can. <laughs> no, with Sphere, I read the book, and it's an okay book, and the movie only really follows it for about 10 minutes. The 10 minutes I was interested in, you mean? Yes, that, that 10 minutes. And it's a book that most of it is all, like, imagined stuff that wouldn't translate well to film, so I don't blame them for changing it. I just wish they would have changed it to something a bit more entertaining. I think when you've got Sharon Stone, Dustin Hoffman, and Samuel L. Jackson, I think that there was a clash of egos. This movie was doomed from the get-go with those egos at play. Sphere is a bit like The Abyss if uh, everyone took LSD and just thought they could move shit with their mind. Yeah, I can see that. Close out 1998, we've got the $45 million, only making $11 million disaster, Deep Rising, which I liked on the same level that Brad liked Hard Rain. It was really fun, it did not take itself seriously, and it had a great stinger at the end, right before the credits came up. Deep Rising, I thought was really fun. I think it has parts of it that are fun. I like the concept a lot because this movie came out shortly after like a year after Titanic. And I was like, oh, it's like Titanic with a monster. It's sweet. And and I like Treat Williams. I thought the I thought the concept was I thought the concept was solid. It had fun moments of Stinger. The Stinger at the end was good. But it had a freaking horrible ass comic relief to the damn movie that took me out of it every time he freaking spoke and I wanted him to fucking die. This guy killed this damn movie for me. Like, uh, okay. oh my god. And then he lives at the end and washes up on shore and is like, I see some lip action going on. God, shut up and drop dead. Oh, uh, Brad hates the Kevin J. O'Connor. I like him in some other things. It's not really like G.I. Joe. Was he in that? I uh, the first God. one. He was. Okay. I, uh, I, I, I remember. I remember. You either don't remember or don't care, huh? <laughs> I, I remember very little about G.I. Joe. <laughs> I've, there, there's been a couple things I've seen him in there that I liked. I just couldn't stand him in that. I love Deep Rising. Okay, there's elements I don't like. Honestly, I could do without Treat Williams. I mm-hmm. did not like Blast him very much. Although I think that. Deep Rising should have got the sequels that The Mummy got, because they could have done other things with it. The Mummy just kept doing the same shit over and over again. Like they the, were mummy on was, the Mummy was smart enough to kill off Kevin J. O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the Mummy franchise, I, I didn't see the third one. I hated the second one, but I really enjoyed the hell out of the first film. Oh, yeah. But um, Deep Rising has some wonderful little bits like, Good God, it's Billy! After he's been regurgitated up, and then there's uh, Kev- uh, Jason Fleming, you know, just being a complete twat, and then there's Trevor Goddard again. Bits of it were really good. Alex, before you answer, 
We're not talking about the Bruce Willis movie Mercury Rising like you thought last week. Oh, yeah, because I was getting confused again. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Is, is this bad sidekick, <laughs> the autistic kid? <laughs> yeah, it was all the autistic kid's head at the end when he was looking in his snow globe. Hey, don't no. go all sane elsewhere on us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I actually haven't even seen Deep Rising, so I've got nothing. It's worth it to actually check it out. It's worth a rental. It It is. Yeah, w- probably it, the biggest mistake that Steven Summers made, which he'll keep making throughout the rest of his career, was over-reliance on CGI. Lower-budget 1998 CGI, and a lot of this movie could have been done with practicals. Don't you agree, Brad, that the CGI was just kind of, hey, we've got this new tool, let's use it? Yeah, it was. So, bad CGI and Treat Williams? This sounds like an Asylum movie. I might dig it. You know what? If this <laughs> it kind of does. It, it, it really is. It... it yeah, this is like a, this is like an asylum movie that made it to theaters. <laughs> All right, now we go into 1999. 13th Warrior, 160 million dollars, made back just over 60 million, so it lost 100 million dollars. I've never seen the whole movie because I did not like the first half hour. I'm not a Michael Crichton fan to begin with, so I saw it in theater. This is one like Hard Rain when I first saw stills and uh, clips of the movie it was called the eaters of the dead which is the book and then say i think that's yeah, what the book's called it was the book it had the book's title then they released it as 13th warrior and i i went to go see i just thought it was really bland really bland uninteresting very forgettable it wasn't like offensively bad or anything like that it was just kind of a lot of nothing really i really like it and i really wish that vladimir kulich was about 10 years younger so we could play thor now because uh, his bullfight from 13th Warrior, perfect Thor. I saw the movie in theaters, and I rather enjoyed it. It was okay. The trailers are terrible for that movie, which is probably why not many people watched it. But I don't see where that $160 million went. It's a pretty simple story. All right, well, sticking in to 1999, I've never seen this movie. Dudley Do-Right. The trailer was enough to, to warn me off of Dudley Do-Right with Brendan Fraser. Dude, that movie was at theaters here for like a minute. I must have been doing something for that minute because I didn't make it to theaters. It only made it made under ten million of its seventy million dollar budget back, so mm-hmm. seems like it was only in theaters for a minute everywhere. Wasn't that referenced by Film Brain against Luke Mockery at one point? Uh, this is came out at the same time that a bunch of bad Brendan Fraser comedies did, like George of the Jungle and Monkey Bone. But, so, those, but George of the Jungle made money. Yeah, I don't think Monkey Bone did, though. No, Monkey Bone's later on our list. Yeah, yeah, this might as well be the same. All right, then, still in 1999, a movie that I never even wanted to see after the trailer was Chill Factor, that Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. I don't understand how that cost $70 million, but it only made a little over $10 million back. Ice cream trucks were very expensive in the late 90s. That's where your $70 million went. And oh, the Ske- premium ice cream wars. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. And Skeet Ulrich's Ol- Ulrich fat paycheck. <laughs> Thanks, he 90s. was always an A-list actor, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I didn't see Jill Factor. i just looking at the Wikipedia article, and Kevin J. O'Connor was in it. There you go, that, Brad. That and so was, bastard. So, so was Callisto from Xena Warrior Princess. Have not seen it. Well, then we move on to 1999's The Astronaut's Wife. I hated this movie. $75 million budget made just under $20 million. 
this movie was was a disaster. You could tell uh, from what I've read, there was lots of script rewrites and re-editing, and you can tell I think when you watch the movie that there's no vision for how this movie. There's a marketing department's version and the director's version, and we're getting half of each of those. Yeah, like this this was during uh, high during uh, Skeet Ulrich's reign because I remember seeing previews for this and thinking that Johnny Depp was Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's the other way around. I think Skeet Ulrich thinks he's Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I was like, what's this stupid Skeet Ulrich? Wait a minute, that's Johnny Depp. Huh, funny. That movie looks stupid. Charlie's Theron, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw bits of it, just little bits and pieces of the movie, just flipping channels and stuff. I, I didn't see enough of it to really think one way or the other about it. I'm fairly sure I saw that whenever it was directed by Brian Usna and starred Imhotep from the Mummy movies, and it wasn't that good then either. <laughs> yeah, my comparison, because I, I watched it in theaters, and I'm like, oh, this is like the incredible Melting Man. Just done with CGI and surprisingly not that much better acting, even from Johnny Depp and Charlize Theron. I like the incredible Melting Man. That movie's gooey. And the yes. incredible Melting Man, that was the inspiration for Biocop. Uh, so just imagine the incredible melting man, only he doesn't melt, and that's the astronaut's wife. He's not incredible. All right, now we come to, I have not seen Jacob the Liar, $45 million budget, made under $5 million. Is that Robin Williams' remake of The Day the Clown Cried? Yes. <laughs> Except we've never seen The Day the Clown Cried, so we don't know. We don't know how much good of a remake it was. Just stick with Jeff Goldblum's remake of Day the Clown Cried. Isn't that every movie? No, no, it did, no, this is a movie. It's the same plot as uh, Day the Clown Cried. It's called Adam Resurrected. Ah, uh, you know, it's uh, like uh, most Holocaust dramas. It's, it's hearts in the right place. But uh, this one, it was a little corny. It was a little corny and kind of cheap in its emotions, really. I mean, it, 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 it was just, uh, it, it was Oscar bait. That's what it was, and it failed. I didn't see it, but I'm going to make a reference to a tim robbins movie about a ladder ha huh. <laughs> it's just like jacob's ladder yeah except except with the holocaust <laughs> except for far more holocaust <laughs> it's far more gassy than that was brad nailed it when he said it's oscar bait because that movie is the most inauthentic holocaust movie it's just like well we're doing this because you know holocaust it means oscars Women's Camp 119 was more authentic than this one. <laughs> All right, and then we move on to 1999's True Crime, the Clint Eastwood movie. I never saw it, so, Brad? I, I saw it. I thought it was, this is, we, we, we ran into a few, like, last week where I was like, huh, that was a bomb? All right. And this is kind of one of those deals. I didn't realize this movie was a bomb. I, I saw it. It's He's got, like, a very, very short amount of time to uh, clear a guy's name who's about to be executed. It was pretty. In I thought it was suspenseful. I, I I liked it. Never saw True Crime, I'm afraid. Didn't see this one. This came out during that late '90s, early 2000s, when Clint Eastwood made a bunch of just really generic crime movies. Yeah, he did, didn't he? It's it is generic, but it it worked. I I thought it worked. Well, and then we go to a film which I know Brad and I are going to disagree on because we've already discussed it before. 1999's Bringing Out the Dead, which I couldn't stand. I really wanted to see it based on the trailer. I felt I did not get the movie that was advertised to me. Brad did. Movie that cost... movie is exactly like the trailer. What the it hell trailer It was boring you... and plotting. That movie was funny. It was violent. It was sleazy. It was awesomely acted. You had 
Tom Sizemore was hilarious. John Goodman was hilarious. Cliff Curtis is whacked out Mr. Sandman Patricia drug dealer. Arquette. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she wasn't hilarious, but, um, but she was in it. She was in it. Yeah, she was in it, and she was good. I I think it, that's one of my favorite. I've seen all, I've seen like ninety nine percent of Nicolas Cage's movies. Bringing out the Dead's like in my top three. That's again. That's one of the ones I've not seen. I was okay with it. Um, I was went into it expecting Taxi Driver only with Travis Bickle as an ambulance driver. I mean, the movie has its moments. It's it's Taxi Driver-ish. I mean, in that they're both about guys who were really, really burnt out, and one's an ambulance driver, one's a taxi driver. But Cage's character is just more burnt out on the job as opposed to being psychotic. Looking at the Wikipedia, looking at the cast list, um, I really think it might be better if Alexis Arquette was playing Mary instead of Patricia Arquette. Let's move on to a movie I have not seen, but I'm looking at its box office gross compared to its budget. The Ang Lee 1999 movie Ride with the Devil, $38 million budget, didn't even make back three quarters of a million dollars. That's a bomb. uh, It's got Skeet Ulrich in it. There we go. We're we're coming. If it's not Skeet Ulrich, it's Kevin O'Connor, isn't it? (laughs) Have you seen this, Brad? I had to click on it to remind myself what it was. I saw it and was like, Ride with the Devil, the, the... Warren Oates, Peter Fonda. That's safety? from like so the like, I was like, I was like, race. I was like, that's race with the devil. What the hell? And like, I clicked. I was like, race with the devil's awesome. I I clicked. I was like, oh, I remember this. I remember passing by. I don't remember this freaking thing going to theaters around here, but I remember passing by it in the video store when it hit the shelves. And I looked down. and was like, huh? Jewel was in a movie. All right. Well, what else is there? I'm just wondering why Ang Lee went back to westerns with. Uh... What do you call it? The the gay one. Brokeback Mountain? Back. Yes. Never saw this one. Never even heard of it until, like, now. <laughs> <laughs> Our next film, we're still in 1999, as Brad pointed out. There's a lot here in, for this year. Still Late in 90s were pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. The Mod Squad. I never saw the movie. I didn't like the TV show, but I grew up catching it now and then. What I saw in the trailer was like, yeah, these people only watch the old TV show while high. That's the version of the movie that they gave us. Well, yeah. Have you seen the freaking TV show? <laughs> Who doesn't watch that high? <laughs> Did you I, like I, it, though? Uh, the Mod Squad? Not really. I thought... I mean, it, it was a movie version of the show, you know? I mean, rare we get a straightforward movie version of an older TV series. You know, if, if this movie were to be made today, they'd make it a straight-out, like, sophomore comedy the movie wasn't i mean it was a movie version of the show it wasn't great i didn't think it was as bad as the reviews were but i didn't get mad at myself for watching it josh brolin's the bad guy he was really good he's always good though yeah yeah i'm not entirely sure if i saw this or not claire danes is in it so and she's wearing a leather jacket so probably well and see part of the problem i think with this movie was like I talked about with The Astronaut's Wife, how the marketing department decided what the final cut of that movie would be. This uh. movie was made with the aid of the marketing department. This movie was made to sell the fashions that they're wearing. The music was going to be sold right alongside when the movie came out. The, the soundtrack would be all over MTV. And this was made as a movie to advertise products to teenagers, not mm. as a movie. That's what I think was so misguided about this movie. 
you can t- you can tell while watching it. I again, I don't I don't think it's as bad as its reputation is, but boy, you can tell that in watching the movie. I watched it on video, and I just found it to be bland. I'd never seen the show, so you know, it didn't have any connection with the TV show. All right, and then we move on. We're still in '99. Cradle will <sighs> Cradle will rock, which I've not seen. I initially thought Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I've seen that. That wasn't that bad. Yeah, I, was, I don't know. All right. I don't know. Cradle will rock. 1999, 36 million dollars made, just under three million. Oh, I remember this. Uh, I I just clicked. It's the the, the Tim Robbins like wrote it and directed it. I actually heard as a movie this really wasn't that bad, but I guess yeah, I guess it didn't didn't do very well. I I didn't see it. I I remember seeing trailers for it and I thought it looked kind of all right, but no, I I I never did see that. I think I probably spent the entire of 1999 in a coma and didn't realize because I don't recognize this at all. But, see, in, that's the problem. You a... didn't go see any movies, so they didn't get any money. But it's I got Carrie Elway's in it. I was in a coma in 99, too, but it was from my own doing. Coke is a hell of a drug, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's an okay movie. Um, I liked it, except for the fact that it's kind of a musical and it was advertised as such. When the movie's not being a musical, it's not bad. When it's a musical, it, it does kind of suck. All right. Hey, we're finally out of 1999. Let's move on to a movie that I need to see. I own the DVD. Supernova, the $90 million. And from what I've heard, that the number might actually be a little low because they spent a whole lot of under-the-line money a- a- after the fact. Only made back $15 million. Supernova, directed by three different directors, none of whom want to take credit for the movie. You gotta see this movie, dude. I've seen I've seen this movie. It's here's what it is. It's it's dead calm in space. That's exactly what it is. It's dead calm in space. It's bad. It's bad, but as a bad movie, you know, you can put it on and and kind of have a little bit of fun with it. I mean, James Spader kind of rocks in the thing. I mean, I I I love James Spader anyway, and in this one, he's like got like black hair and he's like ripped to shit and he's all action in action hero mode. He kind of gives it his all in this flick, which he easily could have slept walked through, but really didn't. And Peter Facinelli is the the villain of the flick, and he he's clearly having a really good time in the movie. It's it's really bad. It's not unwatchable. Does it feel like it's cobbled together from from three different directors? No, nah, the 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 tone is in the in the directing style is. It's relatively consistent. Not saying it's good, but it's relatively consistent. Diamanda, were you awake for the 2000s? I like to think I was. There was, when you said Supernova, I was thinking this other movie that was like a Alan Smithy film starring, I think, Mark Hamill. I got a mix. Uh, I with. think you're thinking of Solar Crisis. That was it. Sorry. Yeah, I, that I, was I early I saw, 90s. I think I saw Solar Crisis instead. It's probably still a better movie, but. I want to watch Supernova. I haven't seen it. Now, next we come to probably one of the most famous box office bombs ever, Battlefield Earth. I was one of the few people that saw this in the theater, and when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. I was the only one in the theater for the entire screening opening night of Battlefield Earth in 2000. And, oh, do we even need to talk about why this movie's bad? 
I don't think we need to say why it's bad. Everyone knows why this movie's bad. Uh, I was I was there too, dude. I saw it in theater as well. I, I saw it for free though because I was working at the theater at the time, and like people were demanding their money back. Like after day one, just no one was showing up for this thing. And I remember being like, I got to see this movie. I got to see how bad this thing is. So I did. I went and saw it and was like, wow, that was a train wreck. But like this movie represents what I love in like a glorious horribly bad unintentionally hilarious train wreck of a colossal hollywood flop i love seeking out movies like that i really do and this one has pretty much all of the the traits of a movie like that hell i had it on a couple of weeks ago i'm like hey battlefield earth is on i know what i'm keeping on in the background jared comes downstairs he hears travolta's laugh he's like are you watching battlefield earth i'm like yeah i am and jared's like i was like working on the computer at the time but like jared's like i've never seen it and i'm like you get your ass down here and watch battlefield earth doesn't even matter that you've missed anything it won't matter yeah it won't matter dude you missed the first 15 minutes you're not missing anything i it's its reputation is not undeserved um <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> I, I, a couple of days ago, I watched uh, Replicator, which was a movie where soldiers and everyone else gets transformed into nymphomaniacs who then mutate into alligators, which are actually just people with dinosaur heads. And that, that poster is awesome. <laughs> I've seen th- that poster. Yes. That 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 might be a, a better film. It cost a lot less though. Hundred and three million dollars only made back just under thirty. <laughs> oops. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> I mean, you got to find like. 3 million people? No, you gotta find like 10 million people who actually saw it then. Oh dear. And it's only the and it's only the first half of the book. If I was a crazy billionaire, I'd be like alright, Travolta, here's the money you need. Finish it. <laughs> well, what, I, what I think is funny before we get to Alex, what I think is funny is that even Scientologists didn't go see this. You know your crazy billionaire thing, Brad? That's exactly what happened with uh, the Atlas Shrugged movies. Yes, it is. That is exactly what happened with that. They, like, recasted it and everything, that freaking piece of shit. And, you know, just, I don't think they understood the point of, of Ayn Rand. Because mm. as far as, you know, she her whole thing was uh, that doing things for free was, was terrible and unethical. I failed to make money, so, you know, they're not making money out of it, so they're doing this as charity for the world. Ayn Rand would, would like, you know, stab them in the head or something. <laughs> but she would be like spend that money on Battlefield Earth 2 well yeah but it's it's a bit like you know Karl Marx you know they they, they turn the you know co- the communist manifesto into well whatever they do with it it's it's just completely antithetical to it <laughs> communists selling I don't know bikinis with Karl Marx's head on it that's hot I watched it in theaters the Saturday after it opened because of all the reviews I read that Friday night Damn right. Roger Ebert's half-star <laughs> review. I, I heard it called that this is the new benchmark. This is the new Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah, it did. That's so many accurate. reviewers called it that. They're Plan, not wrong. Uh, Plan 9's got better qualities to it than Battlefield Earth. Because Plan 9 <laughs> is fun. <laughs> I think Battlefield Earth as a f***ing train wreck of a Hollywood flop is fun in its own right. But, <laughs> but it's not fun in a... Hey, a Saturday afternoon, this is a fun movie for 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. All right, now we go to, uh, remember in 2000, the Battle of the Mars movies, Red Planet, which I don't understand how somehow lost money while that piece of crap mission to Mars, which is just as bad as Red Planet, 
made enough money to make back its budget, probably because of the blatant product placement. Wait, Red which Planet, one was which? Red Planet's the one with Val Kilmer. Mission to Mars oh. is the one with Gary Sinise. Okay, yeah, Mission to Mars is the one which has a ride at Disney World. And um, Mission to Mars is also the one that has the blatant, whenever they're standing outside the lunar rover, the Mars rover, you can clearly see the Pennzoil logo. They have Dr. Pepper that they use to find the hole in the ship. The M&Ms give them the DNA code that they need. The blatant product placement in that movie offended me on a cellular level. Yeah, but it made me hungry. Shut up. <laughs> but Red Dude, Planet, you're just talking about it makes me hungry, yeah. Red Planet sucked. Red Planet was boring. It was stupid. You know what? I've never liked Carrie Ann Moss to begin with. To make her the lead in your film with Val Kilmer, who I do like, uh, you're just asking for disaster because... She, she, Jillian Anderson's lips have more emotion than Carrie Ann Moss's entire body does. Well, they had Terrence Stamp. He dies in the first 15 minutes. Well, more like 25. Well, whatever. He dies really quickly, so he doesn't matter. Well, he, he dies after or... they get to the planet. He dies on Mars. So yeah. they got to get to Mars first, so. Get your ass to Mars. And Tom Sizemore, <laughs> he didn't even look like he was, he, he didn't even look like he knew he was filming a movie. I I I got nothing against Carrie Ann Moss, but like I thought it was an all right B movie. I went into it with low expectations, and I came out of it like, you know what? It was a B movie about some people stuck on Mars with a crazy robot trying to kill them. All right, you know what? I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was kind of entertaining. It was a. Uh, it wasn't the worst thing I'd ever seen. Uh, it was better than I expected. It was a bit like a medium episode of Doctor Who. They, they, they even did a story that was vaguely similar to that people trapped on Mars when there was like a robot running around, but they had like floodwater people instead of a killer robot. I don't know. That might have made it better. I don't know. Never seen it. I don't think I have. I might have seen this and thought it was Mission to Mars and vice versa. Because yeah, th- these two movies came out within, I believe, like a month of one another. It was the it, it was the same thing: volcanoes, Dante's Peak, Armageddon, Deep Impact, Ants, Bugs Life. It was that crap again. The yeah, but at least studios. Th- those all took place in different places with different stories. I mean, it's kind of hard to make Mars look like a different Mars for. Well, other the movies. the tone of both movies is completely different. Like, oh, Mission this- to Mars is goofy. Mission to Mars has more, like, Red Planet, it, it's a B-movie. It, it really is a B-movie. Mission to Mars has more of, like, they're trying to be, like, 2001, or there's, like, a big sense of ambition to that that was kind of misguided and didn't really work. Whereas uh, Red Planet, it's, it's, it's a B-movie. It's a, it, it, it's a big-budget B-movie that bombed. But I thought it was kind of fun. Need more three-titted prostitutes. That if you're going to go did. to Mars, you got to have that, don't you? All right, now still in 2000, Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. I loved the cartoon. I grew up watching Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. This movie was offensive to me just in its creation, so I did not see it. Did I make the right choice? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is you were talking about. Of course you're not going to like it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it... I, I didn't think it was terrible. Like it, it was better than that Boris and Natasha movie. Um, I mean, it, 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 it has like a very complicated plot to it, like the show did. It's got the voiceover, like the show does. There's certain. I, 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 I think it should have just plainly just been an animated film. I think that would have made it a lot better. Why they have to do 
and why do they have to do animated versions of movies where they have to make it a mixture of live action and animation? I don't know, but I think it would have been better suited as just a live, or I'm sorry, as just a full length cartoon without the live action stuff in it. But I, it, it, you know, it had, it had its moments. It, it's not, it's not great, but I didn't hate it. I don't recall ever seeing the cartoon when I was a child and don't think it was a thing over there. And around that time, I was far too busy watching Lex. Mm. Oh, you were into your sci-fi penis-shaped spaceships, huh? Fuck yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for Rocky and Bullwinkle and immediately knowing, oh, that movie's going to bomb. Nobody's going to watch that. It didn't um, bomb that. I mean, it made $35 million of its just under $100 million bet budget back so it's it didn't lose as much money as some of the movies on this list i did there, like the boris and natasha movie it's been a good 20 years i've seen that <laughs> there was that one funny part in the trailer though it's i don't think it's in the i don't think it was in the maybe it is in the movie but i remember it mostly from the trailer where it's basically just showing the concept of the rocky and bullwinkle movie and then robert de niro is fear or jason alexander as boris goes like isn't this a lot like Roger Rabbit? And Robert De Niro's fearless leader just yells at him and goes, No! This is completely different! And that was the trailer. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Apparently it's different. Then we move on. We're still in 2000. Lucky Numbers. The trailer just looked like a disaster. Uh, I didn't see Lucky Numbers. What I remember most about Lucky Numbers, though, is how they pushed it back. Like, a couple months or something like that because of how notoriously awful Battlefield Earth did. So, like, there was still... Let everyone forget about John Travolta for a while. Yeah, there was still the wave of bad press from Battlefield Earth, so Lucky Numbers (laughs) got pushed back, like, a couple of months because of that. Guess the numbers on Battlefield Earth weren't so lucky, huh? (laughs) Ooh, zing! I didn't even realize that Lucky Numbers was a film. I apologize. Same here. I didn't even know about this movie until just now. All right, still in 2000, we move on to the Sylvester Stallone remake Trainwreck, Get Carter. I haven't seen the original since I was a kid. I'm going to defer to Matthew Buck on this one because he tore this movie to shreds. And from what I can remember about the original, everything Matthew Buck said was accurate. Get Carter was just... It was this, it was Stallone's ego vehicle of going, hey, I can remake that movie, but I can make myself awesome in it. Well, why would he make himself unawesome? Yeah, he was kind of douchey and driven. So, and he wrote that, so he kind of went unawesome in that. But he wasn't. But he wasn't the action hero of driven. Uh, I went into. I went into. I mean, I, of course, I saw Get Carter because I, I go see everything Stallone. I even saw Spy Kids 3D because it had Stallone in it. <laughs> um, but so I went into Get Carter with pretty low expectations and watched it. I actually didn't think it was that bad. Did you see the, the original? Yeah, I've seen the original, and the original one is better, but in terms of a lot of other Stallone action movies that are around at that time, Get Carter was way better than uh, than a few of his. It was way better than Driven. It was way better than uh, what, what, what something uh, from around uh, Avenging Angelo stuff like that. It was better than that. I didn't. I thought I liked. I kind of liked that Get Carter was a a bit more of a darker, a bit grittier of an action movie for him at that particular time. It's not great by any means, but, I mean, maybe it's just one of those deals where low expectations made it a lot better to me, but I, I did not think it was that bad of a movie. 
about the time Michael Caine turned up, I was praying for killer bees. Bees! <laughs> Not yeah. the bees! I haven't seen this one, but I saw Driven around the same time, and that's a pretty bad movie. Driven sucks. Driven was <laughs> terrible, yeah. Driven was just... I knew Driven was going to be bad just based on the trailer, and then I saw oh. the movie and went, it's at, the trailer actually makes this into a better movie than the movie is. Yeah, yeah I remember being like, oh, Stallone, please don't make me watch a freaking NASCAR movie or whatever kind of formula, car racing. Formula, it's formula thing. racing, like, yeah. Don't make me freaking watch a movie about that. The one thing I'll give Driven, I really do like Till Schwager. He is really awesome. I do like Till Schwager. Yeah, I like, yeah, that guy's good. All right, now we go to a movie I've never heard of. Clicking on the link, I've still never heard of it. Bette Midler and Diane Lane and Isn't She Great? The $44 million disaster that made just over $3 million. Have you even heard of this one before, Brad? It's Nathan Lane, you asshole. Shut up. Um, Diane Lane and Nathan Lane? It is Nathan Lane. It is, yeah. I remember when when this movie came out. It's the movie where Bette Midler plays Jacqueline Suzanne. But but they do it all like oh wacky slapsticky like no that movie no uh uh-uh. I'll just watch I'll just watch Valley of the Dolls. Apparently she's not so great. She, she most certainly was not. I saw this because I wanted be, uh, Valley of the Dolls, and I wanted them like well it's the biography of the woman that wrote Valley of the Dolls it should be like the movie and it wasn't at all and I hated every minute of it. I thought Roger Ebert wrote Valley of the Dolls. No, no. He, he he went beyond that. Yeah, he wrote uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Roger Ebert was pretty good friends, I think, with Jekyll and Suzanne, and he tore "Isn't She Gr- Isn't She Great" a new one. It was it was bad. If I if I want to watch a Bette Miller movie, I'll just stick it in my copy of Ruthless People. At least Bill Pullman's funny in that. Damn right. Oh, Crockett and Tubbs, they're floating. Now we come to closing out 2000. I saw all the pretty horses in the theater, and. I really don't know how I can judge this movie. I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I could tell that there was more there even before I found out that they pulled a Heaven's Gate on us. There's almost two hours of deleted footage that the direct from what the director turned in to what the studio released. You can kind of tell that when you watch All the Pretty Horses. I didn't see All the Pretty Horses, but I do know what you're talking about. My buddy Dave, he that's one of his favorite books. And it's one of his favorite books of all time, and he 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 came away from the movie being like the you know, like the only way this book could possibly work as a movie is if it's four hours long, and apparently they cut two hours out. So he he didn't care he didn't care too much for the movie. But is there a four hour cut of the movie? No, that's, no, it was there... never released. But what the director turned in, he said, was like four hours and twelve minutes long, something like that, and it was cut down to just over two hours. So literally half this movie. We've never seen. And we probably would have gotten a director's cut if it had done well. It only made $18 million of its $57 million budget back. What do you expect when you cut half the movie out? You know, look at Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate is now decently reviewed today. Maybe if you actually release the damn director's cut, all the pretty horses will be too. Yeah, I could I could certainly see that happening. I could certainly at least see it pleasing someone like Dave, who's a huge fan of the book. I, I haven't seen the book. I haven't read the book either. All the Pretty Horses sort of gets mixed up in my mind with uh, Pretty Maids and Crazy Horses, and I have no idea. It's that thing about it's it's the Osmonds thing about cars, isn't it? This one is Billy Bob Thornton directed, starring Matt Damon and Penelope Cruz about Texas boy who falls in love with like a Mexican heiress or something. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. 
It's like in the 40s, and then he has to go rescue her. And it, it, it's a straight out love story western. It and badly you could, needs. You, but you could tell, just when I saw it in the theater, you could tell that characters had whole storylines cut out, or that scenes originally went on longer. Some of the cuts are so abrupt, you can see someone in the background start to open their mouth, and then it cuts to a whole new scene. <laughs> and you just go, That's you subtle. can tell that there that there's a lot shorn out of this movie. That's it sounds like it, it sounds like it could really benefit from some Osmonds songs about cars. You're obsessed yeah, with right. the Osmonds and cars. Crazy horses. I didn't see it because it was a romance and it was called All the Pretty Horses and I'm like totally not my thing. You racist. How is not liking romances make him a racist? I don't make the rules. <laughs> you homophobe. Yes, you do. <laughs> no. I just I don't like horses at all. Sometimes, like I don't even know you. Equinophobe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, now let's start with the. We're only gonna do a couple into the two thousands, two thousand one here. Let's start the two thousand ones with Town and Country. I've never seen the movie, but a hundred and five million dollar budget, making only a little over ten million. Yeah, something went wrong with this movie. Didn't David Mamet do this one? No, uh, Buck Henry. Buck Henry wrote it. Mike, I think Mike Nichols directed it. Was it Mike Nichols who who directed? It? Oh, I think oh, Peter Chelsom. Okay, I'm thinking I, of th- State of Maine. Yeah, Buck Henry wrote it, and this is one where like it had. You look at the movie, and you're like, "Where in the hell did the hundred and five million dollars go?" Because it's really just a, it's a romantic comedy from a, the trailer. It's a screwball romantic comedy, but this thing had a had huge behind the scenes problem. I think at one point Beatty himself was even directing a lot of it, and this thing was it started in '98. There was a lot of reshoots in 2000s. It's a mess. I I have I have seen the thing, and it's just I, yeah. I mean, you can go into all the stuff about production and how looking at it, it's just a real mess of a lot of just sitcom cliches and wacky misunderstandings but it's just not funny you know that would be it'd be one thing if it was actually funny but it's it's not it was really just kind of awkward it looks like a bunch of uh rich old white people not being funny that's exactly what it was i haven't seen it and we'll end tonight's episode on i saw final fantasy the spirits within in the theater i I'm going to pull a soldier and a sphere on this one. I really thought the first 40 minutes or so were pretty decent until the plot kicked into full gear. The movie was not bad, and then it completely crashed in upon itself. The one saving grace of the entire film, James Woods is always awesome as the villain, even if it's just his voice. But this movie cost $167 million and made back... 85 million. Eh, not that. It made back about half its budget, so it's not th- as bad as some of the ones we talked about, but I saw this in the theater and I came out of it going, well, at least I got to see the trailer for Highlander Endgame. That was something. <laughs> yeah, you had to see a little Bruce Payne action on the screen. And the original trailer, the one that lied to us, too. Oh, I forgot about, <laughs> I forgot about that. So it's the one that has all the scenes that have nothing to do with Highlander Endgame. That's right. I forgot about that trailer. Nice. I I don't play the games at all. It doesn't it, matter. It's, Th- it's, this has nothing to do with the games. I I know I know that. I I know about the movie's reputation, but 
I didn't see the movie, and it's it's because I don't I didn't play the game. It's it's not my kind of Final Fantasy is not my kind of game. Uh, so I'm 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 just not a Final Fantasy guy. So I didn't see the movie when it came out. I, I didn't have a desire to see it when it came out. And then I heard that it wasn't a very good movie. So that just made me like, okay, well now I'm really definitely not seeing it. So I I I, I just never did. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> you you're just keeping it short and sweet tonight, aren't you? Case closed. Just why? Even James Woods didn't redeem this movie a little bit for you? Listen, about that time I was still only thinking about James Woods in the context of John Carpenter's Vampires. So Which no. was not good, no. Yeah, but James Woods was good in it. Yes, he was. And you know, ironically, uh James Woods as uh, Jack Crow in that, that's actually far more in line with how Blade is in the comic books. And, you know, have you ever read Vampires, the the novel by John Stakely? Uh, no. James Woods is pretty close to how the character in the book is described. That really was good casting. I watched this at a drive-in theater while babysitting. You know, because I'm like, ah, oh, the kids will fall asleep for this, and then I'll watch Scary Movie 2. No, they slept through this. <laughs> and, and so my memory is mostly this crappy movie and then having to just sit there and deal with kids watching scary movie 2 scary movie 2 hey also with james woods but he's that's not a much better film than this i don't think all right we're gonna have to split this up into a third part because it's gonna be split up into a fourth and you know it don't tempt me we're doing a tetralogy here don't tempt me (laughs) so we will pick up 2001 with monkey bone next week where can we find bj uh, you can find me at thecinemasnob.com with plenty of BJs. And, I'm, and, sure, I'm and, sure you swallow, too. And enemas. Uh, yeah, water power my ass. Ha! Huh? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Where can we find Diamond Uh Diamondahagen.wordpress.com or at Tiguatig or Project Million Entertainment. Where can we find the Marquis de Suede? Geekjuicemedia.com. And, oh, we also got the new adult site, that adult.geekjuicemedia.com. But I do want to thank you for stopping by again, because you're always invited on the show whenever you're in the U.S. I don't think I'll be around next week. I've got the feeling like Thursday or Friday I'm going to be heading on again. I'm going to be in the same time zone, but I may well be up in Montreal for the Ottawa, oh, sorry, no, Ottawa for the Ottawa Comic Con. Damn Canucks. You can also find this and all my other shows at 1201beyond.com. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a nice night, guys. There's a pulse in the newborn sun, a beat in the heat of night.